0: Uh, We are beginning a brand new series of messages today uh, called Spring Training, and uh, I did encourage most of you to wear your team jersey, so I I really thought there would be more Cardinal fans here than this. You Cardinal fans must not be what I thought you were. Um, Ooh, I think I see more Cubby shirts out there. Where are my Cub fans? All right, all right, so there's a few Cub fan shirts out there, uh, and I think they outnumber the Cardinals, so you Cardinal people, shame on you, shame on you. All right, but as part of the, uh, the message this morning, uh, I'm actually going to kind of take on a character uh, as a way to present the message, so give me one moment, and I will be right back. What's he doing in there <laughs> <laughs> I think uh I think this is kind of brave, don't you? So open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and while you're doing that, I want to welcome you to spring training orientation. Today is the first day of our spring training And as I look out here this morning, I see a lot of familiar faces. I see some new faces, and that's always exciting. There are some faces that were with us last year, but they're not part of our team this season, and that's that's too bad because there were some good players, and they will be missed. But that also means that some of you are going to have the chance to step up and fill in the gap this year. Now, for some of you old timers, you may be thinking that, you know, this whole spring training thing is kind of a waste of time. Like, I've already done this. I don't need to do this again. But I want you all to know, you rookies and you you veterans alike, that this is the most important part of our season. Right here, right now. Why? Because if we don't start well, we won't finish well. And if we don't learn how to do the small things right, then we will never be able to do the big things that we need to be successful. So whether you've been through this 20 times or if this is your first time through spring training, it doesn't matter because it's just as important. And here's why. Because this is where it starts. This is is where we begin our journey together, and this is where we make sure that we're all on the same page, for the same reason, at the same time, with the same goal in mind. Everything, and I do mean everything that happens from this point forward, is about what is best for the team. Why do I say that? Because this is not about you. It's not about you. We don't take anything personal here because it's not about you. It's not about your stats. It's not about whether you're going to make the Hall of Fame or not. It's about what can you do to contribute to the success of this team. And whatever you weigh, you serve this team best. That's what we're going to ask of you during the course of this season. So I want to give all of you this morning an overview of what we're going to do during spring training. And I'm going to start with why we're here. We're going to start with what are our goals? As a team, what are our goals for this year? Well, our goal, first of all, is to win our division. And then after we win our division, our goal is to win the league championship. And then after the league championship, our goal is to cap it off with a World Series victory. I would think that some of y'all would be cheering about that. Is there anybody here that really doesn't want a World Series victory? I mean, because if, if, if that's you, if you, don't, if you don't want one, then you might as well pack your bags and go home because there's no place for you on this team. Because we devote an enormous amount of time and resources and effort and energy and strategic planning in order to accomplish that goal. Now, we don't accomplish it every year, obviously, but we're more successful at it than most. And if that's not what you want, if if that's not what we want, then we're just wasting our time here, even with spring training. If you don't want it as a personal player, then you're wasting my time as your coach, and you're wasting the time of your teammates. Why is that? Because We cannot get anywhere if we're all headed in different directions. We have to have the same focus. We have to have the same dream. We have to have the same goal in mind that motivates us and drives us toward a common cause. So I just want to let you know today that if you came in here with your own agenda, then you won't fit here. You won't fit. But if you can lay your agenda down, if you can get on board with where we're headed and what we want to accomplish, then you may be able to contribute here. Lou Holtz, the great college football coach who last coached at the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, a fine institution, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Lou Holtz once said that it's hard to rock the boat when you're rowing. You know what he meant? He meant. He meant in other words, if you're contributing to accomplishing the goals of the team, you won't be a distraction, you'll be an asset. So what we're looking for here is a bunch of people that want the same thing, that have the same passion, the same desire. Herb Brooks, who coached the 1980 men's ice hockey team to the gold medal in the 1980 olympics when he was putting his team together he said i'm not looking for the best players i'm looking for the right players now that's that's really good advice but here on this team there's another book that's been around for a long time that we believe in here and it's been promoting common goals for the good of the team for longer than Lou Holtz and Herb Brooks have been around. It's called the good book. It's called the Bible. We, we believe it in on this team. So I want to share a couple of, couple of passages from, from this good book about common goals. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were all on the same page. First Corinthians chapter three verse eight says, "The one who plants and the one who waters works as a team." Now they'll all be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. So in other words, they're going to get what's coming to them on a personal level, but it's going to get there because they work together as a team. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 2, Coach Paul said, "They make me truly happy. He was writing to his team in Philippi. He said, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. That Coach Paul's a wise man, don't you think? Work together with one heart and purpose. Our goal is to be that because we can't accomplish anything if we're not working together with one heart and one purpose. Now, there are several things that it will take for us to accomplish our goal because it's one thing to know that's where we want to go. It's one thing to know that's what we want to accomplish, but it's another thing to do what it, ha- what, what it takes to get there. Without taking the necessary steps, then all the other stuff is just, it's just a dream. And we're just dreaming. But if you will commit yourselves during this spring training to the pieces of the puzzle that are essential to realizing that dream, then it becomes vision. So what are we are going to emphasize during this spring training? What are we going to stress as the necessary ingredients for becoming a winning team that realizes our goal? Well, let's start with teamwork. Now, we're going to talk about each of these more, and we're going to coach you up more on each of these in-depth during spring training. But I want to get you an idea of what's going to happen. Now, I got with me one of my favorite food items. (laughs) It's not Krispy Kreme, but it's good. Now, interesting thing happens when I'm hungry. I don't have to think about being hungry. Something in my body tells me, you hungry. You should eat something. I don't have to think about it. And I will tell you right now, your coach does not want to disobey his stomach. (laughs) Evidence abounds. Never want to disobey my stomach. But it's really interesting, once I start eating, once I begin to eat and I obey my stomach... All sorts of things began happening, most of which I don't even have to think about those either. As I begin to, to eat, there are juices in my mouth that help me chew my food, which is good. And by the way, don't ever take a cinnamon challenge because that just sucks up all that juice in your mouth. And it's just not good. Trust me. You rookies don't fall for that. You veterans, veterans here always trying to pull pranks on the rookies. Don't fall for that cinnamon thing. It's not good. But when I begin to eat, there are juices in my mouth that help me chew my food, but it also begins to help digest that food before I even swallow it. And once it gets into my body, there's a whole bunch of other things that happen that I don't have to think about either. And it begins to take everything that I ate and and turn all of those nutrients into energy when I need it, where I need it, and how I need it. And when all is said and done, there's a whole lot of different parts of my body that have all contributed to making sure that I have all of those nutrients and turning them into useful energy for your coach. And even though my body is made up of a whole bunch of wildly different parts, they all work together to achieve one purpose and that is my mission as your coach here is to help shape you and mold you into a unit that functions as one for the benefit of the whole now can we just be honest for a second see not all of you can pitch now some of you think you can pitch and you can't pitch and we're gonna find that out not all of you can hit as good as others Not all of you can catch as good as others. In fact, I've watched some of your film. Some of you should have a middle name of error. Not all of you as fast as everybody else on this team. However, when we are all working together toward the same goal, we will all benefit together. You understand what I'm saying? See, there is not a single person here today that can win a game, much less a championship by yourself. It takes all of us together. That's the only way that we will be successful. So I mentioned to you this this book, the good book that talks about so many of these things. Let me me point one of these out to you. This is from a place in the good book called Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Now, this is not The same thing as the good book, this is something from the message, and there's a guy that took the the good book and he sort of translated a little bit, but he says it in a way that I think helps you understand how we're supposed to come together as a team. This This is what it says. In this way, we're like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets his meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioned parts in Christ's body, then let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we're not. If you're not a pitcher, don't try to be a pitcher. If you're not a power hitter, don't try to be a power hitter. If you're not a base dealer, don't try to be a base dealer. Be the part that you are qualified and made out to be. Now, I told you, see, our, our team, our veterans know to, to bring the good book because it's part of our team here. So if you brought your good book, I told you to open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, this is, this is on my, my slide, but most of you are not going to be able to read that. So I'm going I'm to read this beginning in verse 12 of chapter 12. Coach Paul said this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, well, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, which would be stupid, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? That would be really weird, wouldn't it? One giant eyeball. How would you hear Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. And so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are actually given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Do you understand what Coach Paul is saying there? See, it doesn't matter if you think that your position is not as good or valuable as somebody else's position. Because it takes all the positions working together to make it all work. And if one part suffers, then the whole thing suffers. If one part experiences success, then the whole body experiences success together. We're in this together team. And you got to understand that if we're going to have a season to accomplish our goals, we're going to have to be a team. We're either in it together or we're not in it at all. Teamwork. Teamwork. Another thing we're going to stress during the course of spring training is discipline. So quick, let me ask you, it's the bottom of the ninth. We're in the field. We're ahead by two runs. The bases by the other team have been loaded, and there is a bloop single into left field quick which person grabs the ball who who do they throw it to who catches it and what do they do with it what is the priority now if you got to think about it you're already too late that's the point of discipline is that you react in a way that you've been trained to react that you don't have to think about what you do let me give you a few definitions of discipline It's training that's expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior, especially training that produces moral or mental improvement. You're not going to get better in any facet of your life unless you give yourself to the practice of discipline. It is controlled behavior resulting from disciplinary training which basically means some self-control. Some of you got to learn how to control yourself. Because sometimes when you lose your self-control, you not only cost yourself, you cost your team. Self-control. It is to train by instruction and practice, again, especially to teach self-control. Do you get the idea that you will never master discipline until you master self-control? has to be part of what you do on an individual level, which winds up impacting all of us together as a team. Now, let me tell you something. During the course of spring training, we're going to practice some drills over and over and over and over again. You're going to get sick of them. Now, do we do that to punish you? Do we do that because we're some sort of sick wackos? Well, maybe a little bit. But mostly we do it because... In in crucial situations, you do not have time to think. You simply must react in the way that you have trained yourself to react ahead of time. That's discipline. It's not always pleasant. It's not always easy. But discipline is a critical ingredient in becoming a successful team And each of you to become the best that you can be as an individual. Because without it, you will fall far short of your potential. Potential is one of the saddest words in the American vocabulary. Because potential means that you could do something and you ain't done it yet. You will never live up to your potential without discipline. Without discipline, we will make critical mistakes when we can least afford them. You will learn to do things without even thinking because you have done them so many times. You will enhance your skill level because you're driving yourself along with the help of your kind and gentle coaches to do what you don't naturally want to do. The discipline as an individual combined with the discipline of a team will take us farther than we will ever go without it. Coach K Duke University, a great, one of the greatest basketball coaches, college basketball coaches of all time. He said this. He said, you hear, you forget. You see and you remember. But you do and you understand. And when you truly understand, that's when the basics become habitual. Roger Staubach, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, He said that spectacular achievement is always preceded by unspectacular preparation. Spectacular achievement is always preceded by unspectacular preparation. You want to, try, you want to accomplish something, you want to achieve your goal? you're going to have to practice discipline when nobody cares but you and the rest of your team. All great performance and breakthroughs are the result of working through adversity, sacrifice, and suffering. Roger Bannister, who was the first human being to break a four-minute mile, and there were people who thought that you could never do that, he said this, in the joy of going all out, I forgot my pain. In the joy of going all out, I forgot my pain. The good book has a few things to say about this very subject. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, Coach Paul said this. He said, so I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. I would have loved to have played ball for Coach Paul. I think he was an amazing coach. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should should do so I am able to do what I need to do when the time comes. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says only fools despise wisdom. And discipline. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says to learn, you must love discipline. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a few old timers and maybe even some rookies, you're not too crazy about the idea of discipline, but you're going to learn to love it. If you want to be a part of a team that reaches success, you better learn to love discipline because it is stupid to hate correction. And we're going to let you know. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. See, the good book just tells the truth. It's painful. It's not fun. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You will never have the outcome in your life at a personal level or at a team level, if you do not learn to exercise self control by giving yourself to the development of discipline. We're also gonna talk a lot about sacrifice. Let me give you a situation. We'll run one run down in the ninth inning, we got a runner on first base with one out. The batter at the plate is our leading home run hitter, but he's also our leading strikeout king. His batting average is 290, which is pretty good, but what is the right play? I'll tell you, it's a sacrifice hit. See, in batting, a hit of such a kind, that means that the batter loses his chance of scoring. But he enables one or more people who are on base to get home or to gain a base. Sacrifice. We're going to be talking a lot about sacrifice during spring training and the season to come. And let's just be honest, sacrifice is not something that comes easy. Yet without it, there is no such thing as team. There's no such thing as shared success. There's no such thing as a greater purpose than your own if there is no sacrifice. Here's what sacrifice means. Sacrifice is forfeiture of something highly valued for the sake of one considered to have a greater value or claim. In other words, it means you're giving up something of yourself because there's something that is worth more. It's destruction or surrender of anything for the sake of of something else. Devotion of some desirable object in behalf of a higher object. It is to give your talents to a good cause and it is to dedicate yourself and give priority to. That's what sacrifice means. And we're going to ask you to sacrifice. We're going to ask you to do something that does not come naturally. Jim Balvano, who coached North Carolina State Wolfpack to a college basketball championship and who lost his life in a battle with cancer, he said that "A person does not become whole until he or she becomes a part of something bigger than himself or herself." You know, your life is much too small for your own. You want to know what living is about? you got to sacrifice yourself to the cause of something greater than yourself. You are too small to accomplish everything you'd like to without other people. But if you will sacrifice your desires for the desires of the team, if you will lay down your agenda for the good of the team, if you will put off your pursuit for personal glory in order to attain honor for the team, then in the end, you will actually accomplish all those things that you were being asked to sacrifice. But you will have people to share the joy with when it happens. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The good book says a few things about sacrifice, too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, says, Don't think only of your own good. Think of other Christians, what's best for them. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Not yourself, don't serve yourself, serve others. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 through 6 says don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't only think about your own affairs, but be interested in others, too, and what they're doing. Your attitude, he goes on to say, should be like Christ Jesus, who didn't think too much of himself but decided to take on the form of a person and be sacrificed for your good. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Don't forget to do good and to share what you have with those in need for such sacrifices very pleasing to God. See, it is your natural instinct to want to take care of yourself. You want to make sure that you get what you need to get your part of this. But I promise you, you will get your part and more if you will sacrifice your agenda and your preferences for the good of the team because then we'll all get there together and you'll have somebody to enjoy it with. One last thing we're going to focus on during spring training. We're going to talk about care. Now, let me just be very frank. Scoring runs is important. It counts. But it doesn't count as much as the people who are scoring them. In the development of our team, care is crucial. It's as crucial as anything else that we do. I want you to care about each other as individuals. I want you to have empathy and compassion for each other on this team. I want you to care about each other's performance during the game because when you care about each other and about your purpose, then you're compelled to put your feelings into action. When you make a mistake, and trust me, all of you are going to make them And when you know that you've made that mistake, you you feel vulnerable because you let your team down. You let your teammates down. And the immediate response from everybody else on this team, those that you trust the most, will determine how you perceive your mistake. See, it can make you feel fearful of ever making a mistake again, in which case you become actually less productive. Or when you feel supported and cared for by the people on your team, in spite of your mistake, you can feel that and you can put yourself on the line even though you didn't succeed because you know your teammates will be there for you and will have your back no matter what. And you become a better player and we become a better team. As a member of this team, you never want to be, let a mistake be the last time that you try something. Care for each other makes each other more confident. It's important that every person on this team knows that they have the unconditional support of everyone else because that will create an atmosphere that breeds success and gives everyone the confidence to try again. Care is developed by fostering individual friendships. That's going to happen in the clubhouse. More than anything else. Here, here on this team, we have, we have clubhouse meetings that are kind of broke down by your age. And they happen every week at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. That's where you start to learn how to, how to care for each other and develop those friendships. And, and that means not only caring about how the team does on the field, but how they live off the field and taking the time to get to know each other as people really are. The Bible says a few things about this, too. I'm going to give you just a few more verses to look at. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 46, it says, All the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions. They shared their proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy And generosity Romans chapter 15 five says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter six, two tells us to share each other's troubles. And problems. First Thessalonians five eleven says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The good book has a lot to say about caring for each other. And we will never accomplish our group or our individual goals. We will never embrace them together until we embrace each other. The level of care that we have for each other will be in direct proportion to our ability to achieve our goals. But in the end, whether we achieve those goals or not, we will have accomplished something truly valuable. We will have accomplished community within this team. And that is something that your coach can live with.